0: This is 3P Theory, the podcast for AEC professionals seeking to elevate their knowledge on green building strategies and practical design collaboration for sustainable mindsets, bringing you makers, innovators, and sustainable leaders who have positively impacted the industry. It's time to get inspired, motivated, and fired up to take action towards a greener planet. Here's your host, Mike Brown. Welcome, everyone, to, the, to another episode of the 3P Theory podcast. Uh, today i have a very special guest uh, with us uh, aaron wilson with solar one uh, who's going to be taking a deep dive into some of the opportunities that solar has uh, for uh, commercial projects uh, and residential projects uh, across the, the united states uh, they have a huge background in working with uh, commercial solar uh, and being able to deploy that working with contractors and other vendors to really uh, make successful projects uh, come to life um, aaron Welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, big fan of, of what you're
1: doing here. Uh, it's great to have communication, uh, sharing information. So, uh, very
0: excited to be here and, and talking about this uh, subject. Awesome. Well, first of all, just give us a little ba- background about yourself and really how you got into the solar industry. Okay. Yeah, sure.
1: So, um, I'm Texas born and raised. Uh, so, you know, kind of grew up in this market, uh, kind of understanding the way that this particular market works, uh, particularly with deregulation of uh, the energy market um uh when i came out of college uh i got into international trade uh, so we're trading commodities uh globally and uh i got a request uh one day uh for uh solar grade silicon uh, which is a product that I had no experience procuring, but uh, I had always had my eye on renewable energy. I thought, hey, this is kind of the wave of the future. Um, you know, at some point, we've got to figure uh, this out, and I want to be a part of that of that process. It was something that I believed in, uh, that I thought it was something that uh, wasn't just a career, it wasn't just a job, but I was part of something that was creating a better future, a better tomorrow, uh, which I think is important to success, that you have some passion and some uh, some dedication to it. Um, So nonetheless, uh, got involved in uh, procurement of materials and particularly um, byproduct from uh, semiconductor manufacturing. Uh, So we take this byproduct that was essentially one man's trash and putting it in, uh, you know, to solar grade uh, cells, which was someone else's treasure uh, for all this product. It was essentially going to Europe at the time. You know, Germany was a large market. Spain was an emerging market. Italy was beginning to you know, uh, get involved in uh, renewables, specifically solar. And, um, yeah, so uh, became very heavily involved in uh, tweaking uh, and engineering solar cells, uh, particularly if you kind of want to, you know, boil it down to its, its most basic nature. That was, that was our expertise. Um, within about three years of involvement in, in that business, uh, a lot of virgin uh, solar-grade polysilicon uh, came online and it was so affordable that it made our our business model pretty obsolete, yeah. like literally overnight. Like, you know, <laughs> one day we were, you know, uh, having a great time and, and selling lots of silicon and, and then the next day we literally woke up and it was, you know, poof, gone. Uh, we said, hey, look, you know, this is something we believe in once again. Uh, we feel like it's the wave of the future. Uh, what can we do to take our expertise and, you know, fine tuning solar cells and turning it into the development of projects? And so that's exactly what we did. Uh, and we began developing projects specifically on Long Island for uh, what was at the time LIPA. Now it's P-S-E-N-G-L-I. Uh, and so we built projects for utility companies. There were small scale projects, uh, what we call distributed generation. So it's not a solar farm. It's generation that's distributed amongst the service territory. And uh, and yeah, so, you know, one thing led to another. And, uh, you know, now we're uh, still based out of Texas, uh, but we develop all across the nation. So Kind of uh
0: kind of our story in a nutshell <laughs> well texas is a is a good place to be um just to kind of be at the forefront uh, before things really kind of uh start to have some exponential growth. I know there's some barriers and we'll kind of talk about that a little later uh with Texas in particular for deployment, but um you know being able to have uh, some insights and be able to have that kind of uh collaboration with design teams early on to be able to co- to feed that um that manufacturing process and create the demand right on the front end. That's right. Uh, We know that, you know, every year, uh, the efficiencies are improving. Um, There's more and more incentives that become available, uh, even though we have kind of a degrading uh, tax rebate. uh, And we'll talk about that a little later too, but uh, I think it's just important that, you know, being able to leverage technology like this on commercial projects to really help them get that much closer to net zero or, you know, achieving other energy goals and targets that they may have. just because, you know, from from a design standpoint, you can only get so far, right? Uh, and for projects that are trying to get net zero, I mean, it's it's almost a must. So.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's kind of that elusive uh, kind of goal and dream, um, you know, to be net zero. And um, uh, particularly pairing renewables with uh, battery storage uh, is really beginning to allow us to, to to take more of that into our own hands Um, and uh, definitely with, you know, kind of the the greater holistic strategy of sustainable building design uh, when you're making a building more efficient uh, and the efficiency of solar cells are beginning to increase uh, storage becomes competitive. You're, we're getting closer to that, that dream used to be kind of over the horizon. It's like, we know it's there, can't see it. And now we're, you know, it's kind of, you know, within sight. So definitely very exciting time from, from that perspective.
0: Definitely. Definitely. Well, you know, I've worked on uh, tons of projects where I've done evaluations uh, and feasibility studies for solar, uh, typically rooftop solar. Uh, in some cases, it may be uh, parking canopies and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of times some of those discussions happen early on. Oftentimes they happen much, they could happen much later in the design process. Um, so, and so obviously we coordinate with, you know, folks like you guys to be able to understand, you know, what... Uh, cost implications there on a project, kind of what that design could look like uh, beyond just kind of doing, you know, a a very, very early on, uh, almost kind of back of the napkin calculation uh, for potential on a project. And, you know, those proposals get submitted, uh, whether it's the architect or directly to uh, the engineer, uh, sometimes with more coordination, uh, sometimes not so much. But um, what are some of the things that owners and architects um, that are reviewing these proposals should be, what should they be looking for? Uh, especially when it comes to uh, I guess pricing out certain bidders and, and things of that nature
1: yeah uh, great question um, you know we, and we've worked with uh, retrofitting existing facilities um, rehabilitation of facilities that are now incorporating some more sustainable design into the rehabilitation of a project in the new builds um, and I think that one of the things that you know is is key is understanding uh, there's some project overlap, with uh, your MEP uh, team um, and solar. And so sometimes, you know, that overlap uh, can create some, um, uh, you know, perceptions that somebody's doing something, well, the other person's doing that because that's in their, that should be in your scope of work, right? You know, you should have known that. Um, you know, just classic examples of communication is key. Uh, and we've worked with some, uh, some local, um, uh, you know, construction consultants and architects that really get that down. Um, that communication is paramount of how we are, um, you know, we're going back into a main distribution panel, uh, which is someone else's work. Uh, but yet we've got to have a space in that, in that MDP, uh, for, for our, uh, equipment and identifying properly, you know, who's doing what, um, who's bringing what, uh, can really help, uh, you know, clear things up. Uh, in addition to that, um, You know, when it comes to a rooftop solar specifically, uh, it's how we're interacting with that roof, Uh, what we're doing on the loading of that roof and making sure that we're working with the truss engineers, designers uh, to handle that additional load, uh, even though that that's not normally an issue. uh, It's something that should be uh, looked into uh, early on. Especially for
0: existing buildings.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. and so those are things that can kind of trip up, uh, your kind of your project flow, uh, just slow things down, can kind of create some, some hurdles, uh, that can, um, um, use bandwidth, uh, up to kind of go back and redo things. Um, uh, and so we normally have, um, kind of a checklist of, of every project, either be for new builds or for existing facilities, um, where, you know, we want to go through that checklist and, and make sure that, you know, um, Uh, everything's taken care of a lot of that structural, uh, we're electrical, you know, but we still interface and have an impact from a structural perspective. Uh, And then just coordinating with the other trades that are on site properly, uh, where there may be some kind of overlap of, of uh, scope of work and making sure that you know, we're all you know, kind of in agreement. Um, And then, you know, kind of peering into the future is specifically dealing with architects, not just on the way that we develop solar today, but getting prepared for the future, uh, maybe battery storage, um, and something that maybe we can talk about later on is, um, specifically building integrated photovoltaics or BIPV, mm-hmm. which is a really exciting concept to me. Um, and, uh, so yeah, those conversations that, you know, okay, what can we do to, you know, kind of get eyesight on that, uh, so that we can kind of plan ahead once again, as opposed to, you know, kind of dropping a bomb and saying, Hey, I think this is something that's it's here now, you know, that we've kind of all had time to prepare for it.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, and, you know, it's it's important, too, that, you know, getting started early and not necessarily kind of having that as an afterthought to have solar on a project makes a, a, a big difference because, you know, even if a project decides to do it later, you know, months or maybe a couple of years after the building has been constructed, it would be more costly to be able to get all the conduit in, get the, the space you need, um, you know, and I, I can see that very soon here, very similar to California, um, you know, energy codes and other um, policies are going to require that buildings be at least solar ready. Because, you know, we know it's going to come even if it's after the fact. So it, it only makes sense to go ahead and build the infrastructure to, to be able to do that. Right?
1: Absolutely. And when you're doing that in a new build, the capital outlay to make it solar ready is absolutely minimal. You've got all these trades on site. You're already running conduit up to to your roof or into your parking lot for um, uh, for pole lighting. Okay, so yeah. be prepared. I mean, it's a kind of a a good, just general life, you know, yeah. kind of uh, theory to have. Um, and so yeah, absolutely. So California is definitely leading the the charge on that. Um, and I think you're absolutely right. We'll see more of that. I know Austin is beginning to you know kind of make some code requirements with new construction. Uh, and it just makes sense, uh, really, when you begin to dive into it. Um. Uh, economically speaking, um, PV is, you know, make, it, makes, it makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, taking a step back to the the RFP and, and those proposals and, you know, that coordination that happens, you know, there's probably some things that, you know, the electrical engineer uh, or even the architect or structural engineer, um, you know, neglect to include or and things. What are, what are, what would you say are your top three items that, could be improved as a part of that development of the RFP and you know evaluating that proposal.
1: Yeah, great question. I would I would have to say um we've been uh, pretty blessed to work with some uh, really good architects and um uh construction managers um uh, on some projects here locally uh, that we've done um that we haven't had a lot of issues, you know, so <laughs> That's good to hear. Um yeah, 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 you know, it's it's really refreshing. Um Uh, but I would say, um, one of the things that, that can be a limitation is setting proper expectations for what solar can do in this market. Uh, we have a lot of clients today that are coming to us saying, Hey, we want to uh, have some sustainable building design. We've heard solar is kind of here now. So (laughs) we looked into it seven or eight years ago and it made zero sense then. and, And now, you know, we know that, um, the time it sounds like the time is right. Um, and so we're beginning to incorporate that more into sustainable design, so kind of working with the construction team uh, and architects to design proper expectations. So for example, in the deregulated energy market here in Texas, we don't have net metering, uh, which means we can only we don't want to export power to the grid, so we don't want to overproduce during the daytime. So that kind of limits based on the customer class how much capacity we can build and so working with the client, as soon as we can to make sure that someone doesn't come into this with uh, expectations that that are unrealistic. Of course. Um, and then from there, you know, working on coordination. You know, the NAC has some code requirements with regards to how much we can backfeed into uh, a, a main panel. Yeah. Uh, so there's a twenty percent rule, and so you know, working with clients to ensure that you know we're working within those guidelines. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, so those are those are you know. NEC code requirements specific to solar that um, an MEP may be really good at their job, but they don't understand specifically solar. Mm -hmm. So coming in having a a conversation with them and their team on what we can what we can't do, and then setting proper expectations with with the client, Um, and then being prepared to, you know, have structural conversations. Um, And so when it comes to an RFP, where this is kind of all baked in together, it would be to know the regulatory market, Um, So whoever's designing this for an RFP, know the regulatory market that you're in. um, So you're not um, attempting to do something that's not really in the best interest of the client. Um, And then make sure that we've got the proper methodology for how we're making our interconnection. Um, In addition to that, there's some really exciting new technologies are coming out. One of them we may talk about a little later is uh, bifacial modules. Uh, So bifacial modules, are a really cool product where you're not only able to harvest you know, energy generation from the front side of the module, from the back side. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very buzzy product right now in solar development. Um, but if you're putting it on a roof and that module is basically adhered, not adhered, I shouldn't say that, it's laid very closely to the roof, there's not much chance of any reflectivity on the roof surface back onto the That's back good. side of the module. Right. Um, it doesn't make sense. And so uh, making sure that we're using the proper technology and the proper applications is, is, is critical. Um, and so we've seen that in some RFPs that, you know, we want to communicate, Hey, you know, look in this application, is that, you know, really a good use, a good use of that? Yeah. 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 So those are types of things is trying to stay with the curve and making sure that the people we are working with kind of understand at what point of the curve do we want to use that product and, and, and which ones may not be in the best interest.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and we kind of see a similar thing. Um, and it's great that you mentioned the uh, building integrated photovoltaics. Um, I've done a couple of feasibility studies uh, for that as well, for looking at some uh, installations for uh, fins, overhangs, uh, and even some kind of translucent pa- uh, panels to be put on canopies mm-hmm. uh, for amenity decks and things of that nature. Um, you know, that that technology is, is really great because it allows you to really uh, – maximize the potential of the building envelope um especially for those facilities um you talk about mid-rise high-rise projects where you have very limited roof area yeah so now you can start to utilize um you know the what could be the opaque facade or even vision glass in some cases uh and you know they have varying um you know visual light transmittance values so you can get something that's more opaque or less opaque uh for those and do a replacement for spandrel glass and use utilize that because that's going to be, you know, non-vision glass anyway. I'm just going to have that architectural look as if it were glass and now they have tons of different colors. So, yeah, it's it's pretty, it's pretty incredible. Now, you know, the caveat with that is, you know, you're sacrificing the efficiency because it's nowhere close to, you know, your, your typical solar PV uh, efficiency, but you get the scale of more area, right? That's right. So, that's right. Yeah, I mean, when you're at a 90 degree
1: we call it tilt. Okay. As opposed to uh, uh, 20 or 25, which is optimal for, you know, this uh, latitude. latitude. Um, yeah. You're absolutely, you're going to lose some production, but I love the duplicity of value. So you have building envelope material. It's glass. It's, you know, I mean, you think about um, cathedrals that were built in Europe, you know, millennia ago that have glass. It's still providing the service of building envelope. You yeah. um, you know, so it's, it's a, it's a product that's going to have a very long lifespan uh, and then the secondary value is, is energy generation. It's the building kind of goes to work for itself. Mm-hmm. Um, it does, you know, it's, I, I just love the concept of that. And you're right. <laughs> the cost has got to be there, you know, but I really, I'm, I'm intrigued by, um, by the future of, of BIPV um, and what that looks like a properly leveraged and utilized in the right locations, I think can be uh, a really, really
0: exciting you know, uh, uh, new frontier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and so kind of leveraging some of the evaluations and feasibility studies that are done early on, you know, when you've got the project, you've got the design, you've got the potential, and when it comes down to looking at cost, um, that can obviously be a barrier for some, some projects in terms of implementing it. And, you know, a lot of times, and and even for other energy conservation measures, you, you see this as well, where, you know, you're looking at first cost, you're looking at, you know, um, energy cost savings or even production. In this case, um, it's going to offset uh, your utility. Uh, but then even looking at um, some of the rebates, incentives that are available. Um, and then even beyond that, um, you know, accelerated depreciation, uh, which, you know, when you for building fo- sorry for building integrated photovoltaics, when you start to bundle that in you know for a typical envelope system you can't do accelerated depreciation on, on that asset right um, like you could do with the the uh, building integrated and then on top of that you know emerging programs like pace um, mm-hmm. you know property assessed clean energy where people can utilize either a new construction or existing um, buildings as renovations utilize kind of this unique financing method to be able to um, pay for solar upfront um, at essentially no cost have you had any projects that have utilized that or can you talk a little bit about how that program can can really find a synergy amongst imp- implementing solar.
1: Yeah, uh we've done a project that uh, involved PACE financing actually. It was a um a rehabilitation of a, a cotton gin in Deep Ellum uh here in Dallas. Uh it was a, you know, a historic property. It's called the Continental Gin. Um and uh built around the turn of the century, you know, the last not the 2000s, you know, the right. 1900s okay. So uh um Anyways, um, yeah, we, you know, we went through a, a you know, a, a lot of analysis, you know, on, on that um, and, uh, you know, ensuring that, you know, we're, we're designing it properly, um, you know, taking the uh, proper things into consideration. But as we went through that, that process, you know, we learned that the, that the owners wanted to engage in pace financing um, and they had done their research, which was really nice that they, you know, uh, didn't have to be really educated uh, to it. And, um, uh, you know, we, we, we were able to secure pace financing for the solar and some, uh, LED, uh, lighting, um, as well as a whole host of other energy conservation, you know, and even water. And so you want to put in a, a uh, a, a, a faucet that's more efficient, you know, that can be eligible for pace financing as well. Um, and it's always, it's always struck me as unique that pace hasn't taken off more than it has. I know that, um, a lot of jurisdictions in Texas haven't, um, passed pace, you know, um, uh, it's not, you can't do it in a lot of locations in Texas. Right. So first it's got to get the word out, you know, in places like California, you know, the whole, basically the whole state is pace eligible. So we see a lot of action there in Texas. I think, first of all, we've got to get the word out of what it is. It's not something to be afraid of. Um, it's a special assessment on your, on your property taxes. And so if you think about it, you get to defer making that payment to, once a year. So you can see that revenue, that positive, uh, savings from not paying your energy bill for a a, a long period of time, um, before you have to actually make a payment. So from a time value of money standpoint, it makes a lot of sense. Um, in addition to that, the terms are really flexible. Um, they're going to beat your traditional lending capabilities. So from interest rate perspective, from term of financing perspective, from, payment options when you're making payments, I mean, to me, it's like this win, 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 (laughs) you know, all the way around. Um, But once again, I think that one of the things that really excited me about being here today is communication and education. And I think that a lot of times for us, we have to take our solar developer hat off and put our solar educator hat on and say, hey, guys, let's just take a step back real quick. Let's talk about pace. Let's say, let me tell you why this is really unique, but really good at the same time. Um, so it's definitely a very exciting mechanism. I really would like to see more of it involved here in Texas. There is a growing kind of effort and kind of grassroots program to you know get it in, into more jurisdictions. But uh, but the ones that it's in, I, I I'm very excited about the future of of pace you know financing. So um, so yeah, good, really really exciting stuff there.
0: Nice nice, and I, I really love the fact that you brought up education and you know I do this a lot when. You know, I'm talking about building performance uh, and and things of nature, and especially with solar, uh, just because there's a lot of, you know, negative propaganda out there, um, you know, for things like solar and other uh, energy efficiency measures or even water efficiency measures, um, you know, and everybody has a bad story that they can tell about, you know, why this didn't work and so on and so forth. Uh, But, you know, obviously being able to use that information and lessons learned to be able to help improve those processes. uh, And most oftentimes it has to do with, just bringing it on earlier in the design process to really have that integration uh, with all the other components that are, that are going on um, for a project. Um, you know, the other week I had somebody mention, you know, yeah, we, I don't think solar is going to work on this project because, you know, it's going to have a 20 year payback and things of this nature. I'm like, well, wh- where are you getting this information <laughs> from? <laughs> and, you yeah. know, not even yeah. looking at the site and, and what the potential was. And at that point we hadn't even done an evaluation yet, but you know, there's a lot of, you know a lot of folks that will you know um, you know pass that along and say it's not viable without actually looking at the data uh, and then obviously layering on those those financial incentives and opportunities that are available on projects because you know one of the projects I'm working on now um, and there's this will be the more or less the first time I've worked on a project like this it's, it's a nonprofit uh, organization and so they had a grant available for the solar as well but you know coupling all the financial incentives uh, along with the grant that's not only offered by that program but also the utility company has a grant and in in, in ver- a lot of the larger utilities have programs like that where they're uh, incentivizing energy efficiency measures or a solar uh, offset uh, for first cost uh, this project will be the first project hopefully uh to have more or less an instant payback uh less less than a year it's months once we roll in all of the the financial incentives yeah
1: it's really exciting, and, and, and kudos to you guys for, for identifying those because a lot of times they're, just, they're hidden just right beneath the surface, and all it takes is someone who's willing to kind of scratch at the surface, dig up something here or there, do some research, yeah. and you'll find that there's programs that facilitate this. Um, and it is why not? You know? So uh, definitely kudos to you guys for you know, finding those programs and, and searching that out because um, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's found money. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and why not? Uh, you know, so, uh, yeah, that's definitely,
0: you know, fantastic. You guys did that. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and I almost compare it to, um, you kind of alluded to it, you know, every year, all the, the scholarship money, you know, that goes unclaimed for students going to college, so on and so forth, very similar to these incentives. I think the metric was like, I don't know, 1.5 billion or, or two, or $2 billion annually that go unclaimed for incentives in the United States. Crazy. Yeah. Wow. That's that's just incredible. I mean, that's a lot of money left on the, left on the table. And, you know, I I, I get it. I mean, there's, you know, various jurisdictions that have it, that don't have it. Um, depending on the project type and the scope, you know, it, it does take someone on the project team, um, that you can, or even somebody that you, can, you can partner with like a vendor, uh, to be able to, to uncover some of this stuff. And so, um, it, yeah, there's a huge opportunity out there yeah absolutely absolutely You know there's a lot of support for it there's a
1: lot of um you know even the u s d a in rural areas has some grant money that they're willing to 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 dole out uh to businesses who install um solar and so yeah, I mean it just yeah just just dig around a little bit, <laughs> see what's out there, or engage someone you know who knows um to come in and and a lot of times we're more than happy to sit down first and just have a general conversation about what solar is, what it's not. It's kind of you know, like going and getting a free consultation. You know, (laughs) we don't ever say that, but you know, it's kind of essentially what it is. Hey, look, okay, this is where you're in. This is a utility that serves you. This is what you have available to you because either you have your customer class because of the utility or because of the state uh, that you're in uh, and just get a general lay of the land. Um, And then a lot of times we find that people are, are really surprised. And in fact, one of the questions we get a lot Mike is, um, well, I haven't heard of this before we get that a lot. Uh, which is a fun question to get. Um, and there's a whole host of reasons, but I think that there's been a narrative solar kind of had, it's, you know, kind of, it just sprang up out of the ground about eight years ago, 10 years ago in the U S and there was this, it was buzzy. It was exciting. It was like, okay, we can do this. This can do, we're going to rebuild, you know, the economy and, um, renewables are gonna be part of it. And, uh, a lot of places we looked at the economics like, man, this is bad. This is not good. This does not work. (laughs) Um, You know, and so now it's a completely different story. Uh, And that narrative, it's it's kind of been hard for solar to shake, Mm -hmm. you know, that a lot of people looked into it and they made that judgment that it it kind of wrote it off to a certain extent. Um, And now we're coming back and people are saying, man, this is, this is great. You know, why haven't I, well, you, you did is just, you know, a little, it was, it was a few years too early in this particular market here in Texas. So I would encourage everybody to kind of take a fresh look at it, um, you know, because the economics are compelling and um, there's not a lot of things that I can say that, um, that, that I can say about, you know, on-site solar generation. Yeah.
0: yeah. And as you mentioned before, I mean, the cost is coming down almost exponentially, um, just even in the past couple of years. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure. What are you seeing in the market in terms of cost per watt typically on on projects? I mean, yeah, um, great question. I, I've seen it change in just the past, you know, three or four years. You know, and just coordinating with you know getting bids from other projects and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, it, it all has to do with the size of the project, um, the type of service voltage that we're dealing with. Um, you know, 208 is a much less efficient service voltage for us to deal with, so we have to use more expensive equipment. Um, larger wire to move the same voltage Mm -hmm. Um, uh, so it can vary based on that but you know we've done stuff low as a dollar 50 a watt um, you know up to on the high side maybe two dollars a watt you know within the last 12 months and all that's due to system size, service voltage, proximity to our interconnection point? Are we trenching 500 feet back? Yeah. Are we building canopies? Yeah, you kind of alluded to parking yeah. canopies, which is yeah, a lot of cost. To that. A <laughs> lot of cost. Yeah, that's right. I mean, there, you've got a massive structure here, but it's still economically viable. We have a particular manufacturer that uh, we've really been blessed to have a relationship with that um, is all across the US. And they love, love the fact that they can give covered parking to their employees. Yep. Um, they've or here in Texas, it can get really warm. Okay. So it's a great feature for their employees, a little perk at the same time, it completely pays for itself in less than five years. And so for them, it's like an absolute no brainer that they could do this, um, you know, have a kind of dual
0: function. It's a covered parking and it's also solar generation. Yeah. Um, and in the case when you're, when you're putting it on a roof, I mean, that extends the life of the roof too. Right. So, I mean, Yeah, absolutely,
1: absolutely. You know, so we work really closely with uh, a whole host of roofing manufacturers. We have to. We're in their sandbox. Like I'm putting my toys in their sandbox. Okay, (laughs) so we have a really close relationship um, with a lot of of uh, uh, of folks, particularly with GAF, and they're North America's largest roofing materials manufacturer. And uh, there's some really interesting stuff that's going on in that field. That you know of the realization that yeah, the solar literally. Is sitting on top of this membrane and it's protecting it from the worst thing which is uv rays um that's going to cause you know a failure of that membrane at some point um and yeah it solar protects it so it's you know it's a and i like to tell people solar's like a big shade tree on top of your roof it's providing um uh, the first layer of, of insulation mm-hmm. um and so uh, there was a study that was done by uc jacobs school of engineering Uh, a long time ago, probably 10 years ago, and they took a thermal image of a building that they had installed solar. Mm -hmm. And you could literally see the blue, okay, this is a thermal image, so blue, the area of solar, and then just red hot right next to it where the solar was not. And it was just this, a lot of times, you know, seeing is believing. Of course. (laughs) uh, And when you saw that image, you're like, holy cow. Yeah, I can see how this could, really uh, reduce the heat that actually reaches the surface of our roof and uh, um, reduces, you know, HVAC costs, uh, things of that nature. So there's all these secondary and tertiary benefits that solar can provide that, you know, if, so if you look at kind of holistically, it's like, man, you know, kind of where's the failure point of this logic of of utilizing solar because it provi- provides so many, you know, kind of residual
0: benefits mm-hmm. um, to, and, and, to and building that's- that's key. I mean, holistic. That's, I love using that because, you know, a lot of times you have to start to peel back these layers, you know, it's not just one sided and and siloed in terms of that impact. I mean, it's potentially have a ripple ripple effect, right? I mean, there's a scenario and I'm not sure if it was um, a a rep that I have coordinated with you guys on or another project, but um, where they're, they're starting to use solar now uh, to uh, help offset uh, some of the insurance costs on uh, car dealerships yeah, uh, from hail damage, yeah. especially here in Texas and things of that nature. Um, one of the unfortunate things I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, here in Texas is there's some kind of policy or or um, law that certain cities or jurisdictions won't allow them to do that. Uh, but it, that, that's a compelling case too. And that's, not some, that's something that people wouldn't think about, right? That's you're right. Just thinking, you're just thinking about the production, the savings you're going to get. You know, it's going to keep the cars cooler when people get in, you know, it's hot in Texas, things of that nature. But insurance, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother layer. That's a huge exposure for car dealerships. I mean, your
1: inventory is literally sitting out in the open (laughs) for all sorts of things that, you know, mother nature in Texas can throw at you. Um, And so absolutely, I mean, yeah, think about it from an insurance perspective. Um, there is a, a, real life story of, of, um, uh, a gentleman who put canopies up, non-solar canopies up on his facility and which are, they're actually, these particular canopies are much more expensive than even what our solar canopies are. So right there off the bat, it's like, okay, well that already makes, it already proves that, you know, that there's a, a, a lot of additional value here. Um, but they paid for themselves in two and a half years, um, hmm. with the reduction in his insurance premiums. Wow. Um, and so that was that was you know uh, kind of once again kind of an independent it wasn't our analysis this was our client's analysis. It was really interesting, uh, but even in Texas I mean if, if you're a car dealership if you think about this you want your clients uh, your customer your prospective customer to get into a vehicle and they want them to be comfortable.
0: Yep.
1: Well, this sucker has been sitting out there in one hundred and five degrees, you know just baking uh, I was like let me turn it on for a while and let the AC get rid of <laughs> <laughs> that's right, that's right so you know this is just kind of a uh you know uh, a sales enabler, if you will, you know, kind of really helps, you know, facilitate a positive experience that you can have. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it, you know, um, there's so many, once again, kind of like we we're talking about, you know, holistically looking at it, there's just all these good things that can come from, from solar. Um, solar panels, one of the questions we get a lot uh, is what about hail? Yep. Okay. Is this the last time I, checked this is a sheet of glass you're talking about you know glass on the front of this module um, solar panels themselves are designed um, and they're tested uh, and they're listed by underwriters laboratory so it's a ul 1703 standard that we have to be tested to and one of the tests is that it has to be able to take uh, an impact uh, that's replicating a very very large heavy object uh, or a hailstone essentially um, and at the impact occurs at all four corners of the solar module um, and if it has any internal defects after that test, um, then it fails, and it does not get its its listing. And so they're designed for this environment. Right. Um, I'm not going to say that they're going to withstand every hailstone that, that comes our way, um, but I've seen a lot of roofs that are chewed up, and the solar modules are in, are in so good shape. Um, so definitely very interesting from that perspective that's kind of really relevant to people in this region yeah. uh, because hail is, is, is very prevalent. Um, so uh, yeah, it definitely, you know, a lot of, you know, kind of good byproducts from, from, from solar.
0: Definitely. Definitely. Well, um, and you've worked on, you guys have worked on a lot of different projects, um, you know, all across the country. What, what has been one of the largest projects that you've worked on and what were some of the, the outcomes of that project?
1: Yeah, uh, great question. Great question. So, um, one of the largest projects that we've worked on to date is a project um, on the San Antonio International Airport. Um, so, there's a company that services, um, you know, jets for major airlines um, and uh, um, freight companies like you know UPS uh, that's there on the premises of the airport, um, and it involved us installing solar on six separate roofs, making six separate interconnections, um, going through, you know, one of the, it's CPS is the utility down there, so it's very, um, they are uh, very supportive of solar, uh, but they're very, very particular about the way that they want things done. Uh, So there's a lot of uh, hurdles you have to jump through in order to get um, your incentive money. Hmm. In addition to that, you know, we had to work with the FAA on a, Uh, glare analysis so it's called a um, 7460 uh, for any kind of construction that goes on on the airport premises and so um, there's a lot of solar on on airports across the U.S. but not enough for there to be um, at the local level a lot of personal knowledge of how these operate Um, and so uh, so yeah it was definitely a challenging project for us we really enjoy those projects though uh, because it, it it kind of allows us to kind of get outside of the norm and, and work on something that um, is very rewarding. Um, and so that was that's probably one of the largest and most challenging projects we've had to date because of the massive amount of regulatory entities that we had to work with. Um, the way that we had to design it, um, we used a local main module out of San Antonio by the name of Mission Solar. So they actually make oh, solar I've heard panels. Of them actually, yeah, yeah, make yeah. a great product. Um, it's a, a very high performing product. We're using that on a project in San Antonio. So there's that kind of that local, nice. hey, we're using a local made product for a local business. Um, and uh, yeah it's just a you know um, a really exciting project, but yet at the same time, a lot of uh, moving parts. And so kind of getting back to what you were referring to earlier, what can we do to kind of uh, mitigate uh, hurdles or failure points of you know in the development of a project? We learned a lot of lessons on that <laughs> one. Um and, and luckily we've got a fantastic client that's very dedicated, you know, to uh to you to, to decreasing their carbon footprint essentially. Uh, but the economics are are once again compelling, you know, in that market. So
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, if you can do solar for an airport, you can do solar anywhere. I mean, that's one of the more challenging <laughs> markets to do that. Uh, you tell me about place.
1: it. Tell me about it. Yeah, well you think about we've
0: got, you know thousands of square feet of
1: glass that's facing the sun and you have these airplanes that are flying over it. And so your, your knee-jerk reaction is, hey, this is going to create a lot of glare um, or glint that could be disruptive to a pilot trying to land at an airport. Yeah. Um, and uh, when you really start, once again, doing your research and digging beneath the surface, you'll find that um, solar modules produce less glare than flying over a body of water. Um, the glass Mm. themselves, it's a very, very unique glass. It's designed to absorb light, not reflect it. So if you took a sheet of just traditional exterior window glass, okay. And you put it next to a piece of solar glass, they're going to have completely different reflectivity, um, characteristics. And so it's just, it's unlike any other kind of glass that's out there. And so it has to be treated as such. Um, so Luckily, once you get through those, those hoops, you know, we find that it's really not a problem. But um, uh, uh, anytime you're dealing with, with the FAA, um, it can definitely uh, pose some, uh, some unique challenges and, and analysis that has to be conducted and done. Yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. Yeah, well, you know, there's a, a lot of, um, you know, new developments. We talked about the building integrated photovoltaics and things of that nature. Um, where do you kind of see the solar industry moving in the next, you know, 10 to 20 years. Um, You know, we mentioned, obviously, hopefully we'll see some gains in efficiency uh, over that time period. But what are some other things that we should be looking out for?
1: Man, uh, this is one of my favorite, uh, favorite. I always love, you know, kind of the excitement of what the future holds uh, and particularly for renewable energy. Um, You know, BIPV, I think is definitely going to be uh, a major factor and it's going to come from a multitude of different, it's going that's going to occur from a multitude of different reasons. One efficiency of solar modules um, as they increase, we're able to get more Watts out of a square foot of space, which is going to increase our production, therefore increase the return on investment. Um, and um, you know, looking at it from, you were talking about the, you know, how some solar modules are translucent. So it's a glass on glass design uh, where it can be used for an atrium, it can be used for a canopy, um, uh, almost creates kind of like a pergola effect uh, where it's allowing some light to come through uh, but reflecting some of it as well. Um, you know, that's a really exciting technology for us to use on canopies, on BIPV as well. Um, uh, you know, so that's definitely going to be a technology that we're going to see. And we're going to see things paired with batteries. Um, in Texas, um, one of the things that that, you know, really can make an impact on your utility bills uh, is your demand charges. Um, And if you want to use your building, you're going to incur demand charges, you know. (laughs) Um, So it usually occurs in Texas, uh, we're uh, a cooling state. So we're hitting our peak demand or our 4CP event is occurring in the hottest days of the year. Um, That's usually occurring, um, you know, 2 to 4 p.m in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Okay. So solar's working like a champ right now, uh, but it can't cover all your sense. Okay. You right. know, like right. as you're hitting that peak, that hyper peak, that super peak um, it, it can't cover it all. So having batteries deployed, not necessarily for the, for a backup power supply, which is another great, you know, benefit of batteries, but just the hard value of mitigating your demand charges that makes an impact for the rest of the of the year, is a huge value add. So we're very excited about you know looking at pairing batteries, and and it's that technology that's it's here from a technological standpoint, but from an economic standpoint, it's not quite yeah. here in
0: Hawaii.
1: Absolutely, <laughs> um, you know, Mahalo, you know, like, um, uh, but in Texas, the economics just really aren't um, there yet. Um, and so that's a technology that we're really exciting about keeping our eye on. Um, bifacial modules are a technology. So if we're talking carport canopies, um, that's a something that I feel like is ready for the big times here in, in Texas uh, where it can increase you know production um, really for minimal additional costs. Um, in addition to that, you get an, a longer warranty. So a s- standard solar module has a 25-year um, warranty that at the end of 25 years, you know, it has to be producing, you know, a certain sort of percentage of its, of its output. Yep. Um, bifacial modules typically have a 30 year warranty. So you're getting an additional five years of warranty, which to me is um, the only solar module that gets that kind of that warranty extension. Yep. So that's exciting as well. Uh, so seeing integrate further integration with, as opposed to, an apparatus to a facility just laying it on top of a roof mm-hmm. beginning to pull that in and make it part of the building the building envelope material right. i think it's something that we're going to we're going to see more of in addition to that we're going to see uh an increase in efficiency if you would have talked to me 10 years ago and be like hey you know solar cells are going to be this you know you know up to you know 22% efficient um i've been like yeah right you know that's that's a pipe dream you know like hey good luck you know Uh, um but that's where we're at today and so i don't want to one thing is not to write off the solar industry um we have been hit with a lot of hurdles over the years um and that's you know kind of uh we've been that kind of tested by fire um you know there's been tariffs that have been applied to solar modules um there's been the step down in the investment tax credit that's occurring, um, and the industry is kind of a survivor. Um, we're going to find a way to to to, to make this work, um, and so part of that is communication, making sure people properly understand what it is and what it's not, and then in addition to that, it's progression of the technology and finding good progression, progression that makes sense, yeah. um, not just improvements for the sake of making improvements, but Focusing the efforts on the right kind of improvements that are going to result in a greater product for the real world. Um, and I think that the solar industry in general has really done a good job of that over the past, you know, five years um, where we've really um, it's been very exciting to see. Like you kind of ask, what's the cost per watt today? Uh, you know, you're seeing that drive down despite the fact that we've been hit with tariffs um, you know, that have been applied. We, we come from a truly global supply chain. Uh, even Mission Solar, they're procuring a portion of their componentry for their solar modules internationally because it's just simply isn't made here in the U.S. Um, and so, you know, uh, finding the best way to make those, you know, procurement habits is, is, is critical as well. So um, definitely very, very excited about the future and where it's going, not just for us as a business, but for our clients, for their ability to have access to, uh, and improving technology um, that has uh is more uh accessible yeah. and applicable in multiple different situations so um definitely painted with really broad <laughs> brush strokes there for you on that question, but you know those are the things that really kind of kind of generally it, it really excite us about the future. but I would tell somebody there's no better time than now to look into what solar can do for you um the incentives that are available today, there's no promise that they'll be here tomorrow. Um, and solar may you know, have a four-year return on investment or a two-year return on investment or a five-year return on investment, which is investment-grade by all means. Um, but if those incentives are taken away, it may bump that out to a seven-year ROI, which still may be um, economically feasible, but it's not as good. Right. And so um, I don't know what the future holds. I like to deal with the facts that we know. And we know today that solar makes a ton of sense. So I would want to encourage everybody to look into it, investigate it, kind of like you did, you know, dig beneath the surface, see what's out there for you. Yeah. And then to come into a conversation with uh, with a qualified solar professional that's able to say, hey, look, you know, hey, great job on, on your investigation, but there's two or three others that are out here that are great benefits for you mm-hmm. that you may not have, you know, thought about. Um, and look into it at least, you know, kind of peer into that, into that space and, and see what it can do for you. Because I think that once you do that, you're going to be pleasantly surprised.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. When you, even when you look at projects outside of, you know, your norm where, you know, maybe even the, the building owner or manager doesn't want to own the solar and they do, you know, PPA kind of agreement and, and things of that nature where there's another third party that comes in to, to handle all that and servicing and maintenance. And it's just kind of really hands off for them. Uh, that could be a strategy for, for folks as well. Um, and, and, you know, um, you know, on projects where and I, I think about this for new cities um, that are springing up, especially here in Texas and, and growing cities, and expanding cities, um, how they start to add to their uh, city infrastructure in terms of lighting. Mm-hmm. Even, um, you know, this is probably a different this is a different scale and different application. But, you know, doing even solar lighting in some of those cases to be able to to minimize infrastructure that has to go, go in go into to power connect all that right Uh,
1: absolutely uh you know before we started we were talking about you know how the dallas greater you know dallas fort worth greater you know metropolitan area has done a better job than others at infrastructure um you know highways and and um you know just general uh, infrastructure um we still have room for improvement but you know we've at least seen that you know what was occurring and so definitely you know, kudos to, you know, kind of the um, the, the planners that that were preparing this, that, like other places that we may find across the U.S. that didn't do so, such a good job. I think that same mentality applied to, like, you know, um, public spaces where you have parking lot lighting that would utilize solar panels uh, for its power source. It takes that same kind of forward thinking logic, um, which I think we're sitting in a good place for that here. Uh, because um, when you look at that you know um, the fixture itself may be more expensive obviously than a standard fixture Uh, but when you're looking at it over its lifespan it is a a night and day difference Uh, so you have to use the proper metrics to um, to apply to a theory to a product to truly analyze is it good or is it not good and uh, when you're just looking at it from an upfront perspective okay like that's fine but you're still going to have to pay for this thing like this is reality over a long period of time so yeah i think that you know things like parking lot lighting um you know and in, installing the solar panels in a way that it's performing optimally i've seen some um some solar panels on a on a, on a street pole and it's facing north into a tree i'm like oh, you know like <coughs> Come on, guys, like really, yeah. you know, like just some really simple, like, you know, one on uh, one, one on one, you know, kind of announcement, like, okay, well, when I face it south, you know, this mm-hmm. is a, um, you know, this is a uh, cylinder, you know, this pole is set so I can actually face it whatever direction I want to. I'm not forced to face a certain
0: direction. Sounds like that may have been an afterthought kind of thing. They slapped <laughs> them on. So I'll get a little bit extra money. Let's go ahead and, you know, I, I don't
1: know. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, you're right. So just little things like that, that I think properly, a, a technology properly applied Based on how it's designed, um, solar is going to excel. Um, maybe uh, street lighting uh, and a solar cell that's that's only function is to power a battery for an LED light fixture, um, or a solar farm that's powering a uh, community. Um, the technology properly applied is going to be compelling uh, today. So, with the, using the proper metrics to analyze what its true cost and value is. Definitely. Awesome.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, we definitely enjoyed having you today. And, um, you know, I can go all day talking about solar. Oh, I mean, there's I so many mean... different, you know, projects I've worked on and obviously additional questions I've got for you as well. But, um, you know, we definitely love to hopefully have you back on the show um, and, co- and coordinate with you in the future. And uh, we'll definitely provide a lot of these resources that we talked about to our listeners so they can access that uh, and really just understand, you know, from where they are, whatever phase of design um, that, you know, it's possible. And, you know, those studies can be done very early on to, to prove out uh, or even prove that it can, can be done and kind of working with those unique financing vehicles. So.
1: That's right. No, the pleasure's been mine. I've really enjoyed uh, this time. And, you know, like I said early on, I, I think that communication and education is so critical um, uh, on, on a whole host of different, you know, fronts and technologies and theories and ideas. Um, so definitely very excited to be part of this and part of just a general conversation about what solar is and what it's not. So definitely thank you for having me you know, on here today, and letting me uh, sit here and, and uh, you know, brag on my uh, my prize pony. So. <laughs> so thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Great. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to 3P Theory with Mike Brown. If you like our show and want to know more, check out 3Ptheory.com or please leave us a review on iTunes or SoundCloud. Join us next time for more insightful knowledge on high-performance building design.